0: The Deep Dive presents the fifth year option NFL draft podcast with Andy Molitor and Vegas refund powered by BetSports. Boom. We're back. We've had a full combine. We've had lots of rumors. I'm here with Luke as always the Vegas refund, but we're finally bringing in some people who are smarter than us, which is going to be the theme with all the guests, no matter who the guests are, honestly. And, Right off the bat, we had to talk to Ben because boy, Ben Solak, always a good guest, always a good read. I like your videos that you make where you draw in little charts and like how players are always, you know moving around and play. Those good. are those are always great. But uh god damn it, something you said the other day during the combine after the combine really, really stuck with me. We'll get to that later, but I think you you've you've got pearls the wisdom the pearls of wisdom are just dripping off you and uh i'm i'm i've been enjoying that i'm going to enjoy that for the next 5 6 weeks here
1: yeah it's uh draft season is a good time man it's uh it's gotten bigger and bigger every year the coverage of it in my opinion has gotten better and better every year we do great stuff around the draft it's always it's a fun, it's a really fun market too it's a good way to get, get your uh, your feet wet if you're just learning how to bend to these markets yeah i have no idea somebody brings that up like your audio
0: is perfect, and your your picture is frozen, and it's the creepiest smile, and I'm fine with it.
1: Is it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. Let me figure it out for you. Yeah. Maybe just flip
0: your camera off or something. Not like with your finger, but you know what I mean. And yeah, the, the biggest thing was, and that's kind of where we're sitting this week, as you see, more and more markets opening, and the biggest, uh, the driver of some of that is often reports or rumors coming out of the combine, but a big thing that drives some of those thoughts, rumors ideas is just the performances at the combine. And I mean, just right to what you said in, in one of the chats we talk in right away, it was you mentioned double counting and the, the big part of it was mentioning it about Anthony Richardson. Mm-hmm. And we say that it was like, you know, maybe people who weren't paying attention as much or people who you know kind of tuned out until then. And Jesus Christ, like Eisen and everybody else who, was like doing anything around the draft. Was just so excited about Anthony Richardson, and you kind of tempered things. He said, "Well, some of this is kind of double double counting. Like he was expected to do this. Like he's a freak. People know he's an athletic freak. It's this isn't uh, this isn't some huge surprise."
2: she's still frozen? Yeah the uh, the <laughs> <laughs> I
0: love, I kind of dig it. I'm gonna oh. Uh... Yeah, it's fine.
1: Yeah, I'm sorry, fellas, I'm frozen. Let me see if I can. Uh...
0: Should we just do some dead air? I don't know. It's fine. Yeah, maybe no, just kick them out, kick them in again. Yeah, it wouldn't. It wouldn't be. It wouldn't be fun if we didn't have tech issues. But Luke, what say you? Are you overreacting, underreacting, or reacting just enough to the combine right now?
2: Um, mm. just enough. I'm not really like. There's like certain guys that have definitely gained traction that honestly I'm overreacting to being salty about a lot of the guys going off in the combine because a lot of the guys that I had earplugged that I was expecting to have value on the over-unders like won't anymore where like Nolan Smith I've talked about like his Mm over-under went from probably 30 and a half and now we're looking at probably like 19 and a half is what I would make it maybe even lower a bunch of mocks I saw today have him like the top 10. It's so like that. He's just cooked. Can't, he's cooked. But there are some guys that are definitely like have a lot of traction. I don't even think it, it was just like the interview stuff. I like don't buy at all. Like he interviewed good. I forget who it was. I think Zerline tweeted out about it yesterday about don't believe the agents. They're the ones that are going to be saying the interviews went great where Zerline is hearing like actually the opposite and teams were shockingly surprised about how behind Richardson is in terms of the playbook. So like all the reports that we saw about how Richardson killed all the interviews, like just weren't true.
0: Yeah, no. And that's the thing we talked about just week in and week out when we have these conversations with each other. And now you guys is the, the vetting of your sources and like, trying to figure out where it's coming from because, and this is such a huge part of the NBA draft last year is like a lot of the information was coming from, and you know, it wasn't super public knowledge. We know some people who knew some people who knew, you know, uh, basically an agent and it was, Hey, a lot of this information is coming from an agent of one of the top three players. So like, how much can you trust that because they have to bump their guys up. They're getting 10%. And that's the thing. When you hear stuff from agents or, it's not from a source you'd actually believe in. Like you just do take it with a grain of salt or just call it straight up bullshit off the bat. And that's, I mean like Brugler, we trust Brugler. We trust Dane. I mean, that's, that's gonna be a good enough information source for me most of the time. And uh, I think his, I have the quote written down here. He says, he was fine in meetings but there's a lot of work to do. And I think that checks out I think that checks out kind of with my feelings and what some of the smarter people had said about him. And, you know, the, the same thing goes with the Bryce young, like it's very believable that he's very, you know, ahead on, you know, reads and, you know, just playbook shit because he went to Alabama and, you know, this is, this is a, an NFL kind of factory at this point. So I, that stuff checks out. And then, you know, the, the comparisons to the, the fun one for like three days was, <clears throat> Everybody just saying like, "Hey Ben, you
1: fixed it." Behold, I'm so sorry about that, fellas. The second we went we went live, my uh, my my streamyard just just lost it. Couldn't handle it. I I know it was funny
0: that you were frozen, but you'd still talk. That was creepy honestly. It was like one of those Annabelle movies. Yeah, and I was right. I
1: was because I, I saw it freeze, and I was like, ah, it's like a couple seconds. It'll pop back in, and then it never did. Uh, so <laughs> sorry about that. Glad to be back. So oh, you're right.
2: So I'm like right. you were at the combine, right? Yep. So give us a play-by-play, like, from start to finish, how to go.
1: Impressions, what you've heard right. or hearing. So, yeah, they, uh, they're they they redoing the schedule every so often. They've done it. They've redid the schedule a couple years ago. They wanted to get the drills kind of in prime time, and now they've kind of let the ship sail on that, and they've got the drills, you know, during the afternoon. And so they've been kind of, like, figuring out the optimal schedule. This setup was really, really nice. This worked really well, I think, for the players. Because the players are going to have long weeks no matter what. They're going to have long days. Uh, but in general, they got to test, like, in the afternoon after not a super rigorous morning. They, you know, We didn't have running backs doing the three cone at midnight the way we did huh. in, in years previous. So I think it was good okay. for them. I think you saw, you know, obviously testing, like, the amount of players who test is still down. Um, but overall, like, it wasn't, like, a precipitous drop-off like it was that year they moved into prime time. So I thought that was a really good setup. It definitely was weird from the media side because, like, interviews would happen at, like, 8 a.m. and then nothing would happen until 3 p.m. So we were just, like, sitting around, like, you to get lunch? Like there's, a, there's a, a a weird sensation on that side, but who cares about the media side? You know what I'm saying? This has got to work for the players. It's got to work for the teams. Teams said that they, that they enjoyed it. Scouts I talked to you said it was a good setup. So overall, I thought it went well. And then they got rewarded by getting those those quarterbacks out on Saturday because quarterbacks put on a show. And that, that was a really, really fun quarterback and wide receiver drill session to watch. And so I thought they did the, the combine very well. I thought Indy does the combine very well, as you know all sports writers have to say. Uh, I'm excited for it again next year. <laughs>
0: Yeah, the, the primetime thing, I remember that was dumb. Like, I can see, hey, let's have the wide receivers run in primetime. Just let's save the 40-yard dash of the wide receivers for, like, Thursday after, mm-hmm. like, 6 p.m. Because people would sit down and watch that. Like, yeah, the, the three-cone drills being at night, it's like, no, no one's yeah. here for that. You want to watch wide receivers and cornerbacks run really fast. You want to watch the quarterbacks throw. And like you said, having that on Saturday was beautiful as we got a lot lot of time to see a lot of those drills. Also, my, my question, and maybe you don't have an answer for this, but like the coaches that just come to the combine and they're like spending their whole day you know, you're watching the, that Eagles coach yelling at offensive linemen. That is, that just like, was my boy. is that just I mean I mean they're getting they're getting up close and personal and getting mm. extra scouting, I guess, but is that just volunteer work or who decides which coaches get to go do that shit?
1: Yeah, I, so yeah, I, so I never really like, thought about it. Yeah, so some some people get asked to do it, and then they start doing it, and then they do it for a long time. Like, everybody wants the same Steelers scout to run the 40 because it kind of keeps things consistent. Stoutland, mm-hmm. who's the Eagles offensive line coach who runs his offensive line drills, is another example of that. Stoutland's known in the league as one of the best offensive line coaches and developers, period. Right? Jordan Mailata comes in as a seventh-round pick. He's had Lane Johnson for his whole career, had Jason Kelsey for most of his career. Isaac Samalo. Like, all of these guys went through Stout. He's been the Eagles offensive line coach since 2013. Uh, and and Stout, when you when you talk to him, I did a piece on him uh, for the Super Bowl, he he believes very strongly in his approach to evaluating offensive linemen, which he won't go into detail of. It's like the secret sauce, right? But he talks about his critical points, and he talks about having to see them in person. And so the league loves it because you know they know Stout will put him through a good workout. Stout loves it because he feels like he needs to be there in order to evaluate these guys. And the Eagles love it because they have a really good offensive line, and this guy's a big part of the reason why, and his process is a big part of the reason why. And so you get guys that are like, Always doing it because they've always done it because the league wants them to do it for consistency. You know, young coaches can go get involved and like you know work their stuff and whatever. It's kind of like yeah, like it just those spots get filled within the community.
2: Sure. Mm -hmm. And I think in my like cornerback, I think is the most interesting group. And I when I'm thinking about the cornerback group, I'm thinking about your take on it and the bet that I tailed you on already.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Witherspoon going over christian gonzalez as if it was like jc going ahead of certain yes you still believe in witherspoon being having a the potential not at its current odds because it did come down you were correct great bet i'm glad i have it but just going to the cornerback class a little bit
1: yeah when you when you look at like where the top Rankers and the top mockers have these guys. You find Witherspoon ahead of Gonzalez quite a bit. DJ just uh, updated his top 50. Devon Witherspoon's like his sixth player, and Christian Gonzalez is like 19, which like is not a huge difference in early March. Like We could see that flip-flop by the time we get to April, no problem. Also, DJ's board isn't L32-team's uh, board in particular, but... Uh, Gonzalez, using the Sertan Horn comparison, Gonzalez has universal appeal. He's got good size. He's got great speed. He's got good fluidity. He plays in man, he plays in often plays in zone. Nobody's going to watch Gonzalez and go, I don't like that guy. He's not for me. Some dudes will do that with Devon Witherspoon because Witherspoon's listed by Illinois at six foot 180. So he's probably going to come in size wise, smaller than some teams would prioritize at their corner position. But for those teams who are willing to take a guy Witherspoon's size, you watch Witherspoon's film and this guy's bananas. I mean, I, the, the the physicality, the competitiveness, the the, the the aggression, like that's such a huge part of his game. And whenever I talk about the draft in March, I always say this is the stage in which coaches really start to get involved, right? Entering the combine, it, it picks up and through the combine and then into March is where coaches really start to put their names on guys and really start to bang the table for guys. This is the sort of dude that will appeal to coaches because the one thing that defensive coaches want is a corner who will play in the running game, a corner who will tackle, a corner who will not be a liability when they go to stop the run. That's Witherspoon. He's bad out of hell. I mean, he's just bananas. Uh, and and so if you're comfortable with your front office in terms of the size of Witherspoon and you play man coverage, when you look at Witherspoon and Gonzalez, I'd imagine you're going to have Witherspoon ranked higher. So now it's looking at the Lions, the Falcons at 8, the Eagles at 10, some of these teams that might take a corner early and saying, "Okay, what do you run?" And how are you going to want it to work? Like I look at that Saints team with, or excuse me, that Falcons team with ex Saints defensive coach Ryan Nielsen now as their defense coordinator, and all the Saints did was was play man coverage with Marshawn Lattimore and Ken Crawley, yeah. and then Alante Taylor and Paulson Adebo. All right, well, is Witherspoon big enough for them? I'm not sure, but if he is, they're going to like him better than Gonzalez. That'd be my bet, and that's why I think Witherspoon deserves a strong pole position in the conversation for corner one. Hell
0: yeah! And that's the toughest thing about some of these teams that have two or three big needs um, you know that are in that kind of in that yeah i guess the the highest i guess you see a corner going is somewhere you know obviously six eight ten eleven right in there but you know though like, a lot of and, and the eagles the eagles being just, very different obviously because of the the how high of a pick they have with this being a super bowl team but a lot of teams that high have so many multiple needs it's like man this is a great fit but there's so many other guys there and then it sucks because you can absolutely be right in your thesis be like hey there's like four teams that we'll find out later had Witherspoon higher than Gonzo, and they just they opted to go other directions because other yeah. guys fell to them, which which stinks. But like at the at the number you guys got, and that was just the head to head matchup. That wasn't first corner off the board, correct?
1: Yeah, yeah that like, was head to head. First corner off the board. I also largely think it's a two horse race: Witherspoon and Gonzalez. I haven't mm-hmm. heard enough love for Joey Porter. Nor nor when I watch Joey Porter, do I see it. Especially, so, I think he's a legit contender at third uh keely ringo cam smith like these are players that that have some limitations even deontay banks out of maryland who i love and man if we could have just if we could have gotten a round one market over under market on banks before the combine i would have been happy as a clan we didn't get it um but like banks who i think is a solid lock for round one now like to me the the corner one market is a two-horse race at this point gonzo and uh and witherspoon yeah
0: and i mean um, yeah there there are places that have three 350 on uh on whether to be top cornerback drafted. So I just I don't buy.
2: I just don't buy it being the Lions. Where like I don't think it's it is rare to see a mock that has the Lions not taking Gonzalez. Where if it goes quarterback, let's just say it goes first three picks of quarterback. Fourth pick, assuming it's the Bears, maybe one of those teams. It's Anderson or Tyree. And then let's say Tyree again or Jalen Carter, like the, one of those big three defensive linemen
1: mm-hmm.
2: can still be on the board where I know they took Hutchinson last year, but if one of Tyree Anderson and Jalen Carter is still up on the board and the Lions are still at that pick, like would they take a corner over one of those three? And we can talk trades like, Oh, that's all the leverage yeah. in the world for a team to trade up for the Lions for one of those three. But like taking a corner over one of those three edge rushers is just insane to me.
1: Yeah, that that's tough. And, and with with the return they got on Hutchinson, who like played fine, but also like wasn't a super high sack guy. And even though they have a James Houston who's like a nice situational pass rusher, he's just like a speed demon off the edge. They probably do need another like true defensive end. Think Tyree Wilson. Think Will Anderson. The big question for me is, and this would be something that that like uh, will take a lot of work over the next six seven weeks, is that um. There will be teams that are unwilling to take Tyree, in my opinion, because of his medical history. Uh, from what I understand, Tyree Wilson's had Jones fracture in each foot. That's scary business. That's that's worrisome stuff. Now it's <laughs> especially worrisome because he's around two seventy-five. He's carrying a lot of weight, and so and some teams talk about adding more weight to him. Some teams say he can fill up the of view yeah. more because he's so long and he's so wide. If you're gonna add more weight to a guy who's already had multiple foot fractures, it's it's really worrisome. At his age. Yeah. And so one of the things like you've seen this really big rise for Tyree Wilson over the course of the season, a large part of it in the pre-draft process too. Like he stopped playing at Texas tech because of the injuries, right? He wasn't taking snaps. but so he was going up, he was going up, he was going up. I think we might've passed critical mass on that. And I, I, my, if I had to guess right now, I'd say by the time we get to the draft, two things are true. One, Will Anderson's the clear edge one. We kind of like did a little dalliance with, with, oh, maybe Tyree is. I think it's going to be Will Anderson. I think Anderson came in at a nice weight, tested really well. I think he's as safe as it gets. I think he's, you know, it might not be an 18 sack guy, but I think he's a 10, 12 sack guy. And it's exactly what you want to draft it, that early in the first round, double digit sacks. So I think we'll see Will Anderson's edge one. The other thing I think we'll see is that some teams aren't willing to take the swing on Tyree Wilson that early. Uh, I think. Other teams still might be like oh maybe the Cardinals at three love and he's a third overall pick then there you go but it'll be it'll be work to figure out between like picks three and eight which teams do and which teams don't have Tyree Wilson on the top of their board and that'll kind of lead to the shuffling of the corner position as well
0: yeah and, and the, it's funny how the trades obviously the trades affect mm-hmm. the quarterback market there's going to be t- like for there not to be any trades in the top ten would be a, a big underdog. There should be multiple, multiple moves. At least one, you would think. But you know, a lot of the mocks that you did see, where it's like, hey, the Lions are just going to take the best cornerback here. A lot of those mocks have two quarterbacks on the board still at that point. Right. Like that and that. It's just what Luke said. If we do get three quarterbacks within the first three or four picks. Like it's, it does push down an edge rusher. It pushed down a defensive lineman and it really, and honestly, again, the Lions are probably in a position where they could trade back too. If somebody was really after one of those guys and there was a a competition for it, but yeah, I I really do think both the corners end up falling a little and, i i mean it's it's so far out but i haven't pegged this like the falcons taking the first corner right yeah. now
1: my thing with the with the corners is i think they can fall a little bit but i don't think they fall out of the top 10 like i no. because if you go back and you look right like 2022 we had a corner go at three and at four and singly and sauce 2021 horn at eight patrick Sertan at nine uh 2020 was was jeff akuta at three cj henderson at nine 2019 Somebody went early who I can't remember right now. Like, you know, uh when you go back like Jalen Ramsey, Eli Apple, five and ten. Look, like we typically see one to two corners go in the top ten. That's just something we gotta get like that. that that's a pretty standard operating procedure in the average NFL draft. In this NFL draft, which is not good, the class <laughs> is bad, and the only really strong position, in my opinion, is corner. Yeah. I like I, I think once we get out of that weeds of like, okay, the, the blue trip defensive players and the top quarterbacks. I think the first thing that NFL teams will start defaulting to is that corner position. So I, I, if I had to guess right now, if you gave me over under one and a half corners in the top 10, I'd still lean over at this point.
2: Which I think is why, like, which I think if it's not corner, it's going to be tackle where mm-hmm. I, I could not agree with you more in terms of well, Those blue chips yeah, are gone. like people just default to tackles. So yeah, Well, that, that
0: was the next question. What if I, mm-hmm. what if I posed you that bet? over one and a half corners taken before an offensive lineman is off the board,
2: just even Ooh. money, <laughs> even money
0: because you know, and yeah. uh, that, that supposes like, where's miles Murphy landing in the draft? Where's mm-hmm. where, where are all the cornerbacks gone? Are you at the, th- you're, you're at the point where the, the three main defensive players, the four quarterbacks are gone, maybe two corners. And you still have to fill something in. You know, at that point, because and my my current mock isn't done. I have my top ten ready, and I have I have corners at eight and ten right now, and that mm-hmm. that's, that's kind of where I'm going to probably be for the next few weeks until things change greatly. But it's yeah. it's I've had trouble like smashing Paris Johnson into the top ten
1: a lot. He's yeah. landing landing I'll eleven
0: be, an awful lot of times for me.
1: Yeah, I'll be interested to see what Atlanta does with Caleb McGarry. Right there was that report the other day that Atlanta is going is to is let McGarry hit the free agent market, which McGarry played quite well for them. And they have a, a decent line, but they could use improvements at multiple spots. And if they let McGarry walk, there's a big hole at right tackle. Uh, so then if, if they let McGarry walk, Atlanta becomes a big offensive line team for me. Uh, sure. Though I would say that like that Arthur Smith offense in Tennessee and then in Atlanta, they've done a good job getting middle round guys to work for them. So it's not necessarily a spot where they might feel like they have to go early. Then Tennessee at 11 is the same thing, right? Where it's, you know, they, they 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 clearly need offensive line help, but they've been drafting second-round, third-round guys. And that's kind of been their M.O. Uh, so it does become tricky to find the dude. I also would say, like, Paris Johnson, Peter Skoronsky, Dewan Jones, and then Darnell Wright, who just... Is, Darnell Wright's film is just so good. I've, I've been so impressed by Darnell Wright since the moment I watched him. There's a lot of good tackles. None of those guys, to me, looks like the, the top 10 picks of old, right? Like, even, like... You know, like we want to say, like, oh, Tristan works, but like even like the the Andrew Thomas and and and, and Jedrick Wills of that of that class. Oh, that right? was like, just
0: such a rich draft. Yeah.
1: So, so I, I I do think that while the, the top of the tackle class is dense in the same way the top of the corner class is dense, I do think overall the corner prospects are better than the tackle prospects. The tackle prospects much more so read to me like 10 to 20 guys, whereas the corner guys are like, Oh, these so are these are top ten guys.
0: Yeah. And then it becomes the equation of positional value plus how bad do we need that position plus you know how good do we evaluate this guy compared to what we can get in free agency or possibly just waiting on this till next year or do we have somebody in-house that we could possibly develop instead of wasting this pick on something we don't we don't think has high positional value at this part of the draft which is such a honestly and that that's one of those things it just varies from front office to front office which yeah every time there's a new gm hired it just sucks to try to figure out stuff although i did find out austin fort uh is he grew up in my area of minnesota or he is at least from oh, yeah? there. so yeah so i'm All working right. on that because he, Hometown he, he, guy. he well he would have graduated five six years ahead of me if he did stay and uh i dated a girl from over there so it's uh, there's gonna be some, maybe some digging to see if we can get a connection. It's not gonna happen, but it just made me laugh. So yeah, it's a, it's a pain in the ass to figure out some of the new GM tendencies, and also I never understand what Arizona is after anyway. Well, uh, luckily they're just in kind of a nice spot where it's like, hey, you just take best defender or you trade mm-hmm. it. So it's not a, it's not a stupid uh, a stupid decision to be made, I guess, at that spot.
2: And where do you have so like wide receiver market going into the combine? Quinn Johnson was the favorite. And then you had Addison, Austin. Hyatt, Flowers. I would say were the top four. And since the combine's over, Jackson is the clear cut favorite. I think he's even at like minus one ten now.
1: Yeah,
2: Hyatt's falling. Quinton's falling. Flowers is definitely creeping up, but do you think it's Jackson and Flowers at this point? J- not Flowers going ahead of Jackson, but yeah. once I would,
1: I would say the, the, to me, the rate, like I would put four guys in there to be the first wide receiver draft. I put Jackson with the jig was a flowers. I would still leave Quentin Johnson in there and I would still leave Jordan Addison, Jordan Addison in there. Excuse me. I think having Hyatt that heavy of a favorite at this stage is too rich. To me, That that, that I'd, I'd be looking to fade that. Uh, Hyatt is a delightful little player, but he is a, a slot player. He's a limited player, right? He fits a role. And that's the thing is like this entire wide receiver class is is, is role guys. Like you use this dude specifically in this way. So you only take him if he fits for your team. I, yeah. I have very little exposure. Like the first wide receiver market at this stage, and really the only exposure that I'll be looking for is like, team to wide receiver pairing based off of who makes sense for who and who fits whose parameters, right? Like circle the right. Packers at 15, say Packers are going to go draft the wide receiver, like hypothetically. Well, I know the Packers don't draft smalls. So I'm going to take the Packers to go get Quentin Johnston. I'm going to take the Packers to go get Jalen Hyatt. And then I'm going to leave that there. Look at the new England Patriots and they lose Jacoby Myers. And I know how much they prioritize slot receivers. Well, I'm going to get them Zay flowers. I'm going to get them Jackson and the Jigba. And then I'm going to leave it there. And I'm going to see if I can hit on those more than I can go for this market. Because, like, as we did, we experienced this last year, trying to figure out the top of that wide receiver market, right? Where it's like, who's going to be wide receiver one? Jamison Williams, huge, you know, Steve, we coming up into it. And, oh, you know, Garrett Wilson in the favor, but Drake London's been here. And then it just turned out to like, all right, All these guys liked everybody, and it was just who drew the first blood, and it happened to be the Falcons at eight with London. Like anybody could have hit on that on that market. To me, that this this class will be similar in terms of the noise. There's a body type for everybody. There's a skill set for everybody. So I don't want to be exposed on first wide receiver. I'd much rather look for exactas and see if I can hit one of those and 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 cover my losses elsewhere. Now we're talking that, that. Mm
0: -hmm. and not only that, yeah, like you said, uh, like if you need. A slot receiver. Like you need a slot receiver. And there are guys to fill that, but there's just certain teams that need wide receivers at high enough that aren't gonna I don't want someone who's or or you know, you have some of these tweeners, I guess. If you Addison I consider a little bit of a tweener. He's not the he's like the he's smaller than JSN, but it's a it's a different kind of receiver a little he, bit. I
2: mean Addison I is like imploding in terms of like the mocks that I'm looking at. Yeah, I, I mean what. just bait like mocks from pre-combine to post combine addison like by a long shot is the guy that's following the most i guess did
0: people just not know he was that small or so yeah so it's
1: small. i guess (laughs) that's the thing is it's like there's just so many smalls in this class it's just a small 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 wide receiver class in december Addison had something that made him distinct. It was the Bolitnikov award that he won. Well, here in March, when you, you know, got you run like kind of a four five ish and you come into 173, now you don't look as distinct from Jalen Hyatt, who's the same uh, weight, or the same weight, but faster from Zay yeah. Flowers, who's as fast but heavier, right? Now, like you, you lose your, your sense of distinction. So you start to fall on the mocks. I think Addison's fall has been too far, but if you had given me a market on like his average draft position on those pre combine mocks, I would have been hitting over in a big way. Because like the Balinikov is great. Congratulations. This is a 170 this is a 173-pound wide receiver. In the NFL, like that only works if you are Deshaun Jackson. And he is right. emphatically and evidently not Deshaun Jackson.
0: How give me a percentage? Let's just say any trades that occur in the top 10 occur between top 10 teams. We get to 10, 11, 12, and it is Eagles, Titans, Texans. Like what percentage would you say is it the first wide receiver is a is a Houston Texan? Is it as high as like every mock is making it? Or did, did I don't think so? Do we go a little no. further? Like, does it go further yeah. than that?
1: I, I look at, at at Patriots uh Packers, and that's where I start to think our, our first wide receiver market starts to make more sense. Uh, you know, people get like Zay Flowers all the way down to 21 at the Chargers. I don't know he'll go that. Until take that long, I saw Galco from the Shrine Bowl today. Tweeting about how there'll be two wide receivers top twenty. I'm not sold on that. I I do think we're gonna. This is a class where we're gonna see like the first one go in the teens, and then they start to move in in those early twenties when teams get get sweaty. I think forcing a wide receiver to Houston is 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 at this point like uh, the wrong read in the room. We're just, uh firstly. They, they took Mechie. Nico Collins has looked good for them. Like, all right, they're going to lose Brandon Cooks. Okay, well, like, guess what? Like, Brandon Cooks wasn't, like, powering the highest passing right. offense in the league. It's like, it's a loss, but it's not an enormous loss. Yeah, okay, rookie quarterback, you'd like to pair him with a young receiver and have those guys grow together, but you also would like to pair him with a veteran receiver who can help him, you know, learn the easy stuff, right? Here's how you do the layups. Here's how you prepare at the NFL level. And I think you'll see Houston get veteran free agents uh, at wide receiver accordingly. The last thing is, like, they gave, they gave D'Amico... Like they gave D'Amico a six year deal. Like D'Amico is the guy to end the revolving door. He's the guy to end the one year deals at at uh, at head coach. He's got a long leash. He's gonna <laughs> fix the defense before he fixes the offense. Like he just is. I like the. Bobby Sloick is, is the OC. They're coming from San Francisco. They're going to find some fast, small receiver in the third round to throw a bunch of crossers to, and they're going to call it a day for year one. You know what I'm saying? That This is not a sort of team that's ready to sustain a top wide receiver talent. They're going to go and get, like a, a, to me, a strong edge rusher, a strong corner opposite Stingley. Like They're going to do the work that they need to do to improve the defense first. So I think like a lot of the wide receiver Houston 12 destiny thing, I'm fading a lot of that.
2: And are you yeah, assuming think, they're going to go ahead? Which, and there were some, I think I saw some tweets this week about don't be 100% sold on the Texans taking a QB, which is like, I just don't buy. <laughs> but who do you think, are they just like Texans and Bryce are just like, I just am locking them up. Whether they get him number one or get him number two, where like to me right now, Stroud's the number one pick and then Bryce and then Richardson. And I don't think I think it's the Colts trading up or Panthers, which is like DraftKings came up with the number one odds earlier this week, which were just insane. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Falcons are dark horse. I don't think the Raiders can trade up. But like if do you think Texans and Bryce is like just a match made in heaven?
1: Sure. With all of the information that I have. But the information I don't have is how are they going to feel about Bryce's size, and so like every Bryce Young match made in heaven, like uh, like fit, like oh, like he makes sense for the Texans is conditional on the assumption that the Texans are fine with a quarterback who's five right. foot 10, 204 ten, two hundred and four pounds. He's not even really two hundred and four pounds; one hundred and ninety four pounds. He's probably more like <laughs> one hundred and eighty four pounds. Uh, Dude, like again, actually, like I I say this all the time whenever anybody asks me about Bryce Young, there are going to be eight to sixteen teams that have him on the board and then there's going to be the the other half of the league and probably more than half of the league, majority of the league that just simply does not rank him. Nope. Like if they rank him, they rank him like third round. Like yeah, this is where we start taking size outliers. He's obviously not going to be there, so functionally he's not ranked. Uh, I don't want to put Sharpie on Bryce Young anywhere until I start to get leaks. And like with the Texans right now, if we had, if we had hopped on in March, what's today, March 9th? March 9th last year, the three of us. Covering the draft, betting on the draft, and we started talking Texans. Would any of us have said the name Derek Stingley at any point in the entire conversation? No. no. Like, like Nick Casario from the Belichick tree. Really, really good at playing his cards close to the vest. Really, really good at, at keeping his information internal. Like the if I could, if I could get one thing in the entire world right now, I would get the Texans' internal opinion on Bryce Young because so I think that would be the hardest thing to get. Over the course of this this draft cycle. If I get that piece of information, I would go get it. So for It'll, me, a lot
0: of dominoes fall off of that. Yeah. And it is weird. The more I've thought about this, it's like I've been really married to like the Texans take Bryce and then the Texans take a wide receiver. And for some of mine, it's always been Quentin Johnson mm-hmm. in my brain. I think it's because he kind of reminds me of Andre Johnson. <laughs> like mm-hmm. but yeah. you you got it because you know metchi's fine. We didn't get to see him play, not the hugest guy, but like Nico Collins is I think Nico Collins is even taller. Like he's he's yeah. a huge dude on the outside. Nico's you don't need, Nico's legitimate yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. I um the other thing that we have to remember, like talking draft March 9th, always great. The the Texans have 40 <laughs> they have 41 million dollars in cap space right now. They wanna get some guys in the building that are gonna change our perspective on what they need and what they don't need, right? 100%. Like if this if this team just goes and gives like a solid bag to Jacoby Myers, it does not preclude them from taking that wide receiver at 12, but it affects our view on how certain that is. Right. And that, and that's, that's always the thing to remember right now. Like like if I were to make a short list of teams that I'm refusing to like generate a strong opinion on yet, because I don't want to get my heels dug in Texans are way at the top. They have way too much capital in terms of cap space, way too much capital in terms of draft capital and a general manager who plays it really tight and a new head coach. I cannot pretend to have a read on this team yet. Call me in April.
2: Hell yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. It's and yeah, with, with free agency pending next week, you know, we're starting to get some some tags and some information out, but like that's really gonna start to open up some eyes, open up some doors and the, figure out what direction teams are going. And it's funny too. I've listened to some free agency shows and podcasts, and it's crazy yeah. how like the the off-ball linebacker that just you you don't draft anymore it's like oh there's a bunch of them in free agency too it's funny how like yep. it's funny how the the invisible hand of the market just like takes these positions that we don't use as they're not as high of a positional value anymore and it's like yeah there's a bunch you can you can just kind of go grab anyone you want off the market at this point because no one's going to draft one anyway
1: yeah the linebacker class scary stuff this year man scary stuff in the draft yeah
0: is there i mean is there any situation i suppose you gotta have somebody who is your where are you kind of pegging linebacker falling i guess i've pro i think i've probably seen a mock where you just end up with the one or maybe even none i don't know yeah. maybe am i speaking out of turn there no no first round linebacker at all
1: i'd be shocked if drew sanders doesn't go around one young kid out of arkansas, arkansas uh yeah edge build you previously played edge played off ball for that arkansas defense just to, like if anybody in the league is micah parsons pilled and i'm sure many of them are they're going to watch drew sanders and go oh i can do that and they're wrong like they can't just <laughs> make up micah parsons um but but <laughs> yeah, like that's that's yeah, exactly that's that's going to be the theory um so i'd be very surprised if sanders falls out around one and when we start getting into teams that just draft good players independent of what they need because they're good players and they know how to develop them New England at 14, Steelers at 17, Ravens at 22. Yeah. If Sanders is off the board by then, he's going off the board there. Uh, it's just you don't get six, five, 240 hundred and forty pound guys who can run and hit. They just don't. They don't come out that often. Right. So, like it, it's um, I'd be he'd be surprised if he doesn't go round one. And then Trenton Simpson and Clemson, I think right now would be a slight lean to go round one, but it wouldn't be much more than that. Uh, Sanders is the guy though that'll that'll save the yeah. linebacker class from getting blanked.
0: I mean that checks out too. If you have a guy who can play, like, hey, you can play edge, like you're. Yep. This is fine. Like in, you know, even even if they can go make, like, hey, we can make like a seventy percent Micah Parson. Like that's still mm-hmm. pretty solid work if you can go do it.
2: So
1: yeah, yeah that checks out.
2: And do you have uh, a Jeff Washington in round one? How many tight ends in round one?
1: Oh God. So yeah, I um, I think that Mayor's a lock. Kincaid is a lock. Uh, if either of those guys doesn't go around one at this stage, you'd be very surprised. I think Washington is your third tight end right now. The league did like, you know, we did a little like, Oh, Luke Musgrave thing, but like, he's got a ton of injury history and he tested fine, but like he didn't blow it up. And there were people saying he was going to blow it up and he didn't. And so to me, I think Washington is your tight end three in a normal class. I tell you, he's not going to go. And and I think he goes, you know, somewhere in the late thirties, early forties. This is a pretty bad class. There's a there, there's a decent shot. There's an outside shot. Finding the home is weird, right? Like Philadelphia, no. Cincinnati, like they could do it just because like, screw you, we're Cincinnati. This is going to be hard for you to deal with. And I respect <laughs> it. Um, uh, so, so for Kansas City, like that would make sense. Cincy, sure. Buffalo, don't think they need to. Dallas, even if they let go of Dalton Schultz, I think they like Jake Ferguson the giant seed right. actual pass catchers. He's not, so like it's, it like becomes hard to find so if somebody's taking them they're taking them on, on luxury theory which guys you know people late in the draft can do the thing is like for as well as he tested Washington doesn't look on tape to be like that crazy of a mover uh, I cannot not so agree he, more yeah cannot agree yeah more. he's got he's got prehistoric syndrome he just moves like a dinosaur you know what i'm saying those those cats weren't you know fluid they're just big guys moving fast <laughs> uh and so i uh i could see it and i think we'll learn more as we get closer it will be another guy that i think if we, if he's going to go round one, they'll they'll, they'll start talking about it, and we'll know. Um, but as of right now, I'm still a little bit on the fence.
0: I was gonna I was gonna get to tight ends. I'm glad you brought that up because you see people getting awful excited after the combine. You've seen some some talk of like is this four tight ends in the first round? <laughs> it's like yeah, it's like there's so many other important positions though, and you know I, I just don't know if there's three or four teams that are going to prioritize. I like what you called it like hey, this is a luxury pick. Like we yeah. have a good, we have a good team. We have other needs. The guys that we have at those needs that are on the board, they're not our favorite, and we're just gonna we're gonna take a really good tight end here. If we if we, we if we really get on. to
1: pick thirty one and Darnell Washington still on the board, we are all gonna be rooting for the Chiefs to take him just because that'll be funny for us. That'll be a great time for everybody watching and be like, that's hilarious. I don't know if the <laughs> Chiefs art can do that at this stage, but maybe they can um yeah the sense since the like hey there's going to be 12 top 100 tight ends or whatever dj said there's been a lot of like let's find a way to get all the tight ends in the top and i get that i just think that like team when when it comes down to brass tacks teams are going to look at like the fifth or sixth best corner in this class like legitimately like that low down the corner class and go premium position that guy's still really good i can wait on my my tight end foolishness in the top around one and then maybe we see a big surge round two round three
0: you do and you do get that near the end of the end of the first round a lot, where it's like, oh my God, are we gonna get you know, you, if you bet over on corners or over on offensive linemen, it's like, ah man, there's only I need like three, and there's like seven picks left, and mm-hmm. it all seems to come through because like Smith that was safety Smith. class
1: last year. Oh, yeah, I was exactly. over one and a half safeties, over two and a half safeties. We're sitting there pick 30 with one safety gone. I was like, All right, Ooh. two for two, baby, here we go, and we hit.
0: Yeah, what <laughs> Was uh, sign taken, or where did, did the Vikings trade back?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The oh, Vikings yeah. came back up in, in pick oh, yeah, 32 yeah, to yeah. go get Lewis seen. Yeah, after Dax Hill went at 31. And we were like pretty sure he was gonna be great as a safety, but we weren't positive, and then he slides. was. But, yeah, oh yeah, yeah,
0: we had a, there was a little ambiguity on position stuff. Yeah, too,
1: Dax Hill was, was one of those safety corner guys, yeah. It throws you off a little bit. Brian Branch is that dude this year. We gotta know what they're gonna call him. But, but he's I mean, definitely
2: I mean, falling Till Branch. Because <laughs> he just like ran a four hour seven what do you run a four seven four six like nothing spectacular mm-hmm. but he's from bama so everyone thinks he's in here in the first round so yeah.
1: i mean he's just a very good football player who's just right. a suboptimal height suboptimal weight some optimal speed he's just he's not a measurables guy he's a guy where you turn on the tape and it's okay he's a trust the tape dude and then talk about like linebacker class is bad the safety class does not exist outside <laughs> yeah, of, of, of brian branch Dang. and and yeah. like maybe the illinois kid uh brown not the one who tested crazy but but Sidney brown uh yeah, Sidney's the safety. Chase Brown is the running back. I always get their names slipped, uh, and so I, I I still think Branch is a good round one guy because I think he's going to be like a safety corner, nickel player. He's going to be that John Johnson sort of type, and that's that's valuable in today's NFL. You play it too high, you need that sort of a dude. But yeah, it's um Branch Branch was always going to peak in terms of hype at the end of Alabama season, and then it was going to kind of settle down somewhere else. Because even watching him, you're like, yeah, this guy's a little small. And he's not insanely quick. So it, it, it's a trust the tape, trust saving sort of a dude.
0: Right. Yeah. yeah. And I'm still, my brain is still just looking at a mock and trying to fit people in. And I think the, the tight end thing checks out so hard because everybody always needs corners and you always need corner depth and like even elite corners, like just, it's, mm-hmm. it feels like the peak of an elite corner it's just short now. It, it just keeps getting shorter because so much is predicated on some of this top end speed that guys don't seem to be able to keep for that long. And one injury. And it's just like, Oh, guess yeah. what? You're and never going to lead again. And it and used when, to, yeah.
1: And it when used Smith to take and longer. Ringo
0: and all those guys are on the board, how are you going to reach for a tight end? If And not only that, yeah. but the, the same thing goes with all the offensive linemen that are going to be near the, the end of the first round. Like I, so many teams are going to want offensive line depth, corner depth, good corner play over, you know, reaching for tight ends or God for safety yeah. a second safety.
1: And because the tight end class is so deep too, like that's the thing. It's like, we might not get three round one, but I do think we're going to see a lot go in the first three rounds. Cause like Laporta's really good. Davis Allen from Clemson is really good. Zach Coons from old Dominion tested. Great. Will Mallory out of Miami is a fine little player. Like there's just a lot of guys, you know what I'm saying? So like, all right, if we're missing on Darnell Washington at big 30 shucks, but if we really think we can get Sam Laporta at 62, we'll, we'll get over it. Um, the the one like caveat to that is Washington is kind of like you don't get this frame every year. You don't get guys this size. And so yeah. if you as an offensive coach, and as offensive staff, really think like, oh, we can fundamentally change the way the calculus of our offense works because we have this dude, now it becomes a little bit special. Then again, that's why I think Washington we're going to learn a lot more about in the next six weeks. like I, I think we're going to go into the draft with a really clear vision of where Washington is going to go and who likes him. Because some teams are going to be like, eh, good tight end. There are other good tight ends, whatever. And other teams will be like, man, if we get Darnold Washington, we can do X and Y and Z, and we can use these personnel packages and so on and so forth. So I think we need a lot more clarity on him.
0: Not we, not need we need some damn pro days. That's what we need. No, we need some over-unders. Like, yeah, the Harvard really pro day?
1: You have the Harvard pro day? The Purdue these, pro day? These aren't doing yeah. it for you, Andy. Come on now.
0: No, not, not as not as much as I'd like it to. I mean, Purdue, that's an edge rush university, I guess now, but... Yeah, that's uh and I wonder too, is you 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 mentioned all those other tight ends, the ancillary ones that aren't like the big three or four names. It mm-hmm. feels like when you have a grouping like that where it's hey, there's a bunch of good ones and the drop off isn't really big. Like if there's one, two and that big drop off, the if there's if that gap is, is smaller, it's suddenly there's not this premium. Like you just like you said, yeah, we can, you know, we don't need that. We have that at home in round two. Like we can get that tomorrow. So it's yeah that's interesting god i'm just i'm just that's the number and i've said this luke i'm waiting for them to put a how many tight ends in the first round number up for me so i can bet into that because it feels like that one's gonna be high
1: i'm curious to see that one i'm curious to see corner i'm curious to see offensive linemen uh especially like offensive tackle i'm worried about it's worried about how skaronsky gets graded but i think it'll be a tackle but so offensive linemen i'm interested to see and then um yeah over-unders like like uh like mr refund said Let's start oh. to get. Let's start to get spots on guys. I got work to do. Come on.
2: Like, what are they doing? Like, I, I, I'm like starting <laughs> to get concerned. Like, <laughs> God, just, just release the hounds, please. Like, yeah. we had them at this time. Like, yesterday was the day. Like, I made my first over under bet yesterday last year. Last year.
1: Yeah.
2: And we got nothing. We got matchups. DraftKings put the matchups up, but. They've just priced everyone out. Like everyone, other than Skoronsky, Paris, and Kincaid Mayer, everything else is just unbettable.
1: Yeah. I uh, no, I, I took I'm, Paris when that you know, opened. I still like Paris there a little bit on that one. As did I.
0: I mentioned that to somebody last week and or earlier in the week, I said, like, yeah, I haven't made very many bets but I did date everything I bet last year. as I like when I track stuff and I did the same thing. It's like, all right, I didn't really have bets last year at this time. Like I just need to calm down. But like you just said, it, we're right about there. Like it is about that time. So, I mean, that, that's a nice, it's a nice thing to keep and look back on too, to kind of get ready and, I mentioned that too. I said that's one of the first things I do in the office every day is I pull up every book and click on the draft stuff and just see if there's anything new. And I even said Luke's doing that like six times a day at this point. But <laughs> I, I usually I, just I do it. I do it in the morning and then I rely on you to freak out later on in the day. But yeah, the the market's still kind of lagging. There has been, you know, like uh, first wide receiver, first as, and quarterback were up forever, but then tight end, offensive linemen, a uh, few other ones like that. And then these, you know, team to draft Richardson, team to draft, but like that's not a market you probably want to get involved in. The whole tide, like the team yeah. to draft Bajon Robinson, like you're mm-hmm. really just kind of throwing fucking darts at that point.
1: Yeah, if I take a team to draft X bet before like a month out of the draft, I'm a bad yep. person. I just got to get. I I want to, but I'm a bad person. I can't do it.
0: I, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't say. I didn't say like don't bet into these but like ben Solek said you're a bad person
1: if you do yeah it's just that's not it's not healthy behavior check yourself take it easy
0: oh and then it's the do you guys i had a couple people ask about the stroud number dan's asking about it in the chat right now it's like still is it one of those where yeah eventually we'll just know know who's going where and it's, it's a lot easier you know i'd rather bet into a minus 250 for everything i own if i already know the answer than a 400 on a guess but does it feel like the stroud number is just too high based on 100 percent? almost the bears are trading 100 if someone trades they're trading for a quarterback like is so, is the implied probability of stroud going one just a little low at four to one and worth a tickle or the sprinkle luke
2: so like the common theme is Bryce shouldn't be minus 200, which like is fair, but the books have just brought the Richardson and Stroud's odds down too much where like any type of money is moving these lines where they're just not enticing enough where Stroud at 300 and Richardson at 300, like no one is betting into those numbers to bring Bryce back down to where he should be, right? Like Stroud at plus 300, like sure like might as well i guess um i would not bet richardson plus 300 i would not bet bryce minus 200 uh, Fandle is the best richardson number i think it's plus 550 but like at this point it's just better off waiting until if we start getting a better idea because right now we're just taking bullets based off of our personal opinion which that's like the no-no um mm-hmm. but at these numbers we're like at 650 hell yeah plus 300 yeah. now
0: yeah there, so there's like, some fours in the market and it's one of those like if you have to have a bet on first overall pick right now you made me bet any of those prices it would be stroud for sure at, that, at yeah, the current definitely. numbers
1: like i'm positive that if you take stroud plus 400 right now at some point in the pre-draft cycle you will have great clv i'm not positive that by the time the draft comes, you're going to have great CLV, and that's what are we betting for now? We bet to have it, or we bet to, to, to cash in on it. So, like, I have a lot of I have a lot of Levis exposure from preseason. I have a lot of Richardson exposure from in the season. I, I could continue to take Stroud, and then at that point, be fully and completely fading Bryce Young as QB one, which I think w- would be like correct and accurate. But the amount of capital I'm I'm putting in on that, right? The amount of money I'm just spending to do that. To me, I'd rather hold it and then, like you say, Andy, spend it when I know who QB1 is going to be and get the line that I get. And that's why, like, with information markets, obviously, it's never fun to bet into minus 200 as opposed to plus 400. But with an information market, it can still be the the correct approach.
0: Yeah, it's like, would you rather have three hours to take the SATs or would you rather have 20 minutes to take the SATs but you get the answer key?
1: You
0: know, we can, we can, we can be patient and uh, do this tomorrow. And when we know more, but I mean, uh, Ben's absolutely right. Like at some point, this, this Stroud number does start to drop down. It just feels like there's been big gaps in coverage until we saw the combine. It's like, Hey, he looks really good as a quarterback throwing the ball and everything's accurate and the motion looks great. And he, it looks like he could probably play in the NFL. It was like the first mm-hmm. time we'd heard about him in, you know, in a month, yeah. everybody's it was all just Bryce's weight and Richardson is going to test well. And it's like Stroud didn't exist after the Georgia game for, for a while. Like that was very exciting. And then he just went away.
1: The most important thing to remember is that at this time, a few years ago, it was between Sam Donald and Josh Allen for the number one overall pick. It was going to be one of those two for sure. And then it wasn't. And that's always the the, the <laughs> cautionary tale to remember is that when you have a dense quarterback class, not to say this class is going to be as good as that 2018 yeah, class was. I don't think it will be. But when you have a dense class, the league's going to be all over the place on the guys. And so until I know who holds the first overall pick, I don't know who QB1 is. I know who my QB1 might be. I know who I'm, I'm, I might think consensus QB1 might be. But nobody cares about that when push comes to shove. We care about who owns the pick and who they pick. And it's a dense class. So it's going to be different guys for different teams.
0: Let's kind of close on the, the first overall pick just as far as, you know, that that is the biggest thing. Like who holds the pick? I'm not even going to ask you, like, who, who do you think trades with the Bears? I just want to talk more about the timing. Like, and that was brought up a couple times in, you know, the chats. Is like, is it just, hey, a lot of this stuff is going to happen after the league year starts. Like it doesn't make sense because, you know, it, some of these teams they'd much rather just trade away 24 and 25 or, you know, just as much as they can push stuff to the future, because everybody's has to be positive. Be like, we could be better then. Like, we we should be a better mm-hmm. team. And, then, I mean, honestly, the same thing with uh, the Lamar stuff. Like, why wouldn't you just wait and push it down? Because if you're, you know, some of these teams being thrown out for Lamar, and maybe I'd misunderstand how that works. But if you give up picks, you're giving up picks in this draft. Whereas if you wait a little, you can, if you wait till after the draft, you can give up picks in the next draft. And like, if you're God, just maybe even, you know, Detroit, you're drafting sixth. If you have a really, really good quarterback, you're probably not drafting sixth next year. Like just the value of the first round just changed quite a bit. And I don't, I don't know how that affects the negotiation at all, but are we just impatient? Is is all this fun stuff just going to happen weeks and weeks from now? It'll be funny if Rodgers yeah. saw, it's traded in like this. It's traded as of the we're sound. talking.
1: Yeah. So the thing, the thing to remember with the new league year aspect is this. Uh, yes, teams can't trade their 2025 picks until the new league year begins. They can still talk about it, right? It's not like, like, like Ryan Poles yeah. goes, hey, 2025 first. And, you know, Scott Fitter goes, I have one of those? I, don't, oh, I got one? Not until March 15th, I don't. Like, they still talk about it. And they still agree to a structure and then they leak it and then it gets announced. And that's how we know Chuck Clark is going to be traded to the jets. Once we get to the period of time in which Chuck Clark's allowed to be traded. So I think that if we learn about a trade for the first overall pick, I think we're going to learn about it within the next few days. I think we'll learn about it before March 15th and obviously happen on March 15th, but I think we'll learn about it within the next few days here. Ryan Poles, the bears general manager has been confident bordering on cocky displaying some arrogance in the media over the course of the combine week and leaving combine week about how he's going to trade this pick and how good the hall is going to be he said explicitly to peter king football morning america i know i can get a 2024 one to 2025 one that's big talk because he just made a 2024 one to 2025 one for the first overall pick average he's made that like hitting for par Would Mm -hmm. I would not have recommended he do if I were in his PR staff and in his front office. Because now, like, if you get a good offer from, like, the Texans, you're not going to get that value. You have to go trade again and everything. It's also a little bit antagonistic. It's telling the Panthers and the Colts and the Falcons and whomever, like, hey, I've got you by the throat here, and I'm going to squeeze you for all, all it's worth. General managers are prideful people. They don't like that sort of a talk. So if this doesn't happen within the next few days, the heat that is on... Chris Ballard in Indianapolis, Scott Fitterer in Carolina, Terry Fontenot in Atlanta, Brad Holmes in, in Detroit, who, uh, You know uh, Dave Ziegler with the Raiders, whoever you want to talk about, the heat that's on them, if this doesn't happen by free agency, it starts to shift and it helps to get on the Bears a little bit and get on the Bears a little bit and say, hey, you said you can make a big deal. Hey, you said you're very confident you have three teams on the line. Why haven't you traded the pick? I'll be very curious to see if that happens. I think Poles may have overplayed his hand here and might have painted himself into a bit of a corner where he's going to have to sit and, and demand a certain value he's not getting and do it for all of March and all of April and try to get into draft day to make a team desperate enough to go for it. That also folds into the whole, it's a complex quarterback class. There's a lot of different guys, and we don't know who likes who. You, you, you want to have the first overall picks. You want control, but you don't want to move up in front of the Texans for a guy they were never going to take. So you're still right. going to be doing your homework if you're the Colts and the Panthers and the Falcons and the Bears and the whoever. You're going to be doing your homework on who do the Texans like it too. Can I maybe move up to three with the Cardinals and still get my guy and save some of my capital? So to me, this either happens quite soon or it doesn't happen for quite some time. And it gets really sweaty for the Bears and for Ryan Poles. Yeah. You wonder if like,
0: if you're if the Colts front office is talking to Houston and be like, after all this and just calls like, are you hearing what the son of a bitch is saying? like, like, if, like if are, I, was, are we sure are we sure we don't want to collude a little like who do you like
1: 100 <laughs> if, if if i were fitterer slash ballard i would have called ballard slash fitterer whoever i'm not after polls this whole like media thank you parade over the course of the week and been like hey this guy who's he this rookie <laughs> general manager he's like 30 who does he think he is Oh, like he's his name in teens like like like, <laughs> like peter king is like writing about the colts and writing about the panthers like they're they're not keeping the secrets. Like let who, is who, let's let's make buddy sweat a little bit, which like you know, you have to think the other guy's gonna actually do it with you, and it becomes a little bit of a prisoner's dilemma, sort of a thing. But still, like if I were another general manager who was trading up for that first overall pick, I would have bristled. I would have been very upset with the way that Poles was demonstrating. Like Poles gave a quote. Where he's like, I'm gifted, I know how to read people. You can you can tell I need a quarterback, Ryan. You can tell it's Sam Donald, <laughs> Baker Mayfield, PJ Walker, and Jacob Eason. It wasn't my dream <laughs> season last year. Come on.
0: Yeah. It's a, uh, it's funny how, how I, I, like you said, some of the hubris after like, after you make the claypool thing happen and then you come out of the, you come out of the, you know, the, the combine, like, oh, suddenly I'm just Howie jr. Like I, you guys, right. you guys are going to have to deal. You're dealing with me now. So mm-hmm. that's interesting. I kind of lean more towards the latter. Like this doesn't happen for a long time. I feel like, like the bristling is a real thing. And that maybe right. he's gotten a little too confident. It'll be interesting because then if it comes down to it, what if it, it just turns out that, you know, that there are some GMs that we're deadly honest with each other. They know who everyone likes and be like, well, we don't like the same guy. I'm like, why aren't we just sitting still at uh, at two and four, you know, maybe we're just, maybe I'm only dealing with the Cardinals at this point, nobody else can offer up what polls wants. And right. and nobody, can, yeah. nobody's, nobody's hopping me at four. You're taking a quarterback at two. Nobody's hopping me at four. If they're sitting on that right. pick because they fucked it all up, Like I, yeah. I'm not wasting that's the, any draft
1: capital now. That's the other thing that polls did. Polls made drafting Will Anderson at first overall a loss, which is dumb because Will Anderson's a great player, and you want to be in a position where the teams you're negotiating with feel like there's a legitimate threat, a chance, that you can just hold the pick. You want them to feel like they need to move you off of it, which obviously when you're negotiating with three or four teams – they're going to assume, okay, if we don't make this trade, he's going to make it with somebody else. That That's still present. I acknowledge that. But in general, like, Polls with, with his comments, has very much lifted the bar of, like, this is acceptable to Bears fans to the Bears franchise. lifted it way, way, way high. He's the guy who's got to clear it now. And so he gave you a position as a, the Colts, as the Panthers, to be able to say, okay, this whole time, you've been acting like you're throwing us the lifeboat. You're giving us the pick that's going to make us get our quarterback. If this goes on for a bit... I've got the lifeboat now, brother. You need me to come up and get this back. Shoes on the other foot. Now I have negotiating leverage again. I I understand why he did it, but I do think Poles overplayed his hand, and I'll be curious to see if he gets burned for it.
0: That's it. Yeah, it's interesting. You've turned. Uh, we had to take a generational edge rusher into a holy shit, how did we ever get to this? This is so bad. Burn down Hallis Hall. Chicago's, like, maybe contract the team. This is over. Pace is back. Oh, my God. that's It's wild, too, because – and it's it's not a loss for me. I would love to see Anderson go first overall. There were some wild numbers on that once things got shifted around. So I do have a little, uh, I think, 15 or something better than that on Anderson to go first, just in case. Cause I do have that, I have that inkling of like the bears finally just do screw this up. So right, any, any other thoughts you have, Luke, before we, uh,
2: no, hopefully odds start coming drafts? out. Yeah, Thank no, you. Uh, Solak. That was awesome. Lightning. Very
1: good time. As always,
0: always enlightening when we talk to you. So appreciate it. Are you doing, let's, uh, I mean, just, Talk about what you're doing over the next seven weeks with draft stuff, yeah. content. I'm sure you're writing some articles. I like to read your stuff. It's okay.
1: Yeah. Wait, wait, yeah. Wait, wait, when you have the attention span to read. Reading these yeah. days, man, hard pass. Uh, yeah, I'm at Benjamin Solak on Twitter. And then the Ringer NFL Draft Show is where all my draft stuff will be. That's wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, the uh, Ringer uh, YouTube channel, which is just the Ringer, that'll be where where all, all of my film breakdowns are, doing stuff on the quarterbacks and whatever. So, yeah, if you follow me at Benjamin Solak, you'll see all the stuff. It'll be great.
0: Cool. Luke, take us out, man. We're good. All right. Well, appreciate you giving us your time, Ben. You too, Luke. Honestly, this is fun. Learned a lot today. Excited. I feel like this time next week there'll be more markets and we'll have a bunch of free agency stuff to talk about. So we'll check you back here this time next week. Appreciate you guys. Uh, Leave a thumbs up on the YouTube if you like NFL drafts. Uh, That's a rule. (laughs) See you guys.